plan. Record a podcast <laughs> with Will Ashton weeks ahead of when this is actually going to come out. That way, the listeners think we're making a timely episode of the show and they don't unsubscribe. I didn't oh, know if sorry, Will. I was reading my uh, my notes here. Sure. Uh, I wasn't supposed to. That's not supposed to. People aren't supposed to hear that. I didn't know if you were going to go with that or if you were going to do the actual, like, Nathan for you opening where it's just like, hi, I'm John Negroni. It, <laughs> Can I, I do went, that? Yeah. I mean, it's up to you. Can I, I mean, do that? Okay. I'm going to have what? to look up. Well, what I just did was completely on the spot. Okay. Like, I just made that up. Sure. Um, that's why I was as rough as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the, the intro for Nathan for you. Are you keeping this all in or are you editing of this Of course. Out? Okay. All right. All right. My name is John Negroni, and I graduated from one of Lynchburg, Virginia's top podcast schools with really good grades. Now I'm using my knowledge to help struggling small podcasts make it in this competitive internet. This is Cinemaholics for you. See, that makes more sense. Is it? I think so. I did I that on the spot, too. And it, there you I, go. I, I, think. I stumbled a little bit. I was like, sure. Let's see here. You, you, really we figured grades, it out. With really good audio. Yeah, we, we could have workshopped this if I, I, mean, if I had prepared better. Awkward interactions, insecurity. True. I didn't uh, have a rehearsal is the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was <laughs> trying to feed you into that, but you kind of jumped ahead. So uh, go ahead. Go with the uh, your intro. I guess your real intro. We already did the real intro, but uh, we can do a backup one, too. You know, we can do, you know, in case a listener just needs to hear it because they're not sure the, the episode's really started yet. They're well, skipping ahead. Yeah. Because they can't I mean, wait to hear that this is Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast. And welcome yeah. once again, where we talk about the biggest and the best films coming to theaters and streaming online. But this week, we're not talking about a film, are we? No. Uh, yeah. You have late been kind of pushing against the cinema part of Cinemaholics. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Okay, uh, the accusatory, the accusatory tone in your voice. Uh, w- explain yourself. I think like well, one other time I was. I mean, I mean, very occasionally before this, we've done a TV thing, right? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, I think we did Maniac for one week. Like the, that's that was right. like a mini series, yeah. and that was like so, a mini series. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we could we've justify. done mini series here and there, right? We did uh, like Behind Her Eyes. Oh um, well, yeah, we did, I was like, gonna... a couple Netflix things, but that was mm-hmm. like the you know pandemic. We had very little. Well, yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. Is that like you uh, you, you kind of did those as bonus episodes, and you did it as like, hey, there's not a lot of film content right now. We can kind of yeah, yeah. try TV and you know get away with it, basically. Uh, I wasn't really involved with those ones for the most part, but I mean, yeah, I understood. You washed your hands of that. Yeah, you were like, I don't want to uh, be involved. I don't want to sure. get wrapped into this. Yeah. Um, but then uh, earlier this month or last month, whatever it was, uh, I guess last month now, since this episode's going to be coming out a little bit later than when we're recording, but uh, you were like, hey, let's talk about that Stranger Things. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's not cinema. That's maybe an event, but it's not cinema. And you're like, well, I'm doing it. And I'm like, fine, I'm talking Minions with my friends. And we had our Independence Day uh, tiff or whatever, riff. Um, and yeah, you kind of did that. And I was like, all right, I guess that was just kind of a a moment. But then you uh, you were pitching things we could do for this weekend, which, um, you know, mm-hmm. like we said, mm-hmm. we're recording this a little bit earlier than usual. So we can't really see the newest and freshest films coming out this weekend. However, 
uh, the week this comes out, there aren't that many movies coming out. I think the only one of note, uh, at least as far as we know at this point, is Emily the Criminal, which we both saw at uh, Sundance a few months back, which is a film mm-hmm. I thought was fine. I think you liked it a little bit more than I did, admittedly. Uh, I, I like what it was going for. Good I movie. think the execution was a little too by the books, but, you know, solid sure, little indie yeah. flick. Uh, good showcase for... Um, Opry Plaza, as per usual. But, you know, we could have done that, but we wouldn't have, you know, a very fresh perspective on it. We'd kind of be reminiscing on a film we saw half a year ago, which is fine. We've done similar stuff, but you proposed an idea which, uh, you know, kind of goes against uh, our cinema holics uh, intent, but it was one that I admit very much excited me. Yeah, yeah, because, and to be clear, like I'm scrolling through all of our episodes here and it's true we it's so occasionally we actually do tv stuff it's so rare and when we do it's like you said it's it's got to be it's got to be earned you know and like we've never done any of the marvel shows for example right like even though like wandavision loki like those are kind of big deals mm -hmm. i think you would if i had actually watched any of them yeah yeah but you know i and I, and I did consider it but you know i was like all right i'm I'm, i want a podcast with my buddy what what, if i'm not then what am Mm -hmm. i doing here I mean, you almost did on your own a Miss Marvel thing, but I guess that fell through or you just didn't have the time or whatever. Just didn't have uh, the time. Yeah, I just missed it. I, that would have been really fun. I was actually really looking forward to that. But Well, sorry. You know, we'll let, we'll let the listeners know what they didn't get, right? But uh, no, like I, with Stranger Things, I feel like Stranger Things was justified because like those episodes were so long. Oh my gosh, they were hours and hours. And they felt like, I feel like Stranger Things feels like such a, an event, you know? I feel like it's crossed over from mm-hmm. like just a, tv thing and it's a big pop culture thing and then with this here is my justification for the rehearsal for nathan fielder in general we never got to talk about finding francis right sure yeah and i feel like yeah that was a movie this this is not a movie it isn't but it's something that i think is worth dissecting because it does kind of relate to a lot of like meta pop culture stuff, a lot mm. of like the way we watch things and the way we like the, uh, the balance between what's filmed and what's real life. Like that is sure. so core to what this show is. And I'm making mm-hmm. it sound like it's profound. It's like David Lynch and Kubrick or something. And it's maybe it is, but like I'm, well, I'm probably making it sound different than what the mood actually is. I don't know. I mean, it is kind of funny timing that we're doing this this week because uh you know hbo is owned by warner brothers discovery yes which the day we're recording this it was announced uh, as it was kind of speculated but uh to not a clear extent before they're going to be shifting less towards streaming content uh scripted screaming content i mean right like stuff like uh you know whatever they they had like uh our flag means death um that sex is city spin-off. flight attendant sure stuff um, like that that's kind there of a bunch in limbo. of HBO Max movies we've covered mm-hmm. on this show, like Unpregnant, American Pickle, which you liked, and which, that's just uh, kind of yeah, going away. I, I don't know what happened with Unpregnant, but American Pickle is not on the server anymore. They announced that uh, fairly recently. They quietly got rid of it. But in lieu of if these, you can type afford of things, it. Buy digital media, folks. Like that's just the lesson, you know. Sure, but in any case, uh, I mean, we won't talk about this too much more because it's probably going to be a developing thing that's going to have, uh, you know consequences to come but also there's just a lot of right. stuff we don't know about that's going to you know it's probably going to seem very antiquated if we try to talk about it now based on when this episode's going to come out but i will say i mean 
what we learned today was that basically they're going to be prioritizing more like reality TV content because David Zasloff or whatever the the new CEO has a reality TV uh, background, I guess, primarily. So there is this weird thing where now like they're prioritizing reality TV as much as their cinema in a way. Uh, and, and it's, it's becoming this kind of bizarre thing where, you know, like, I mean, we've kind of seen it already with like the rise of influencer culture and all these different things. Like I saw something YouTubers. recently uh, today yeah. that was called like the 90 day fiance universe. Yeah. That was you part of the, at. uh, um, that part of that, whatever discovery plus plan that they have in store, yeah. which I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe that excites somebody. I'm not trying to yuck their yum. But that just sounds like a joke to me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, that's all to say, I guess that kind of loosely justifies this decision. But I think above all else, we just want to talk about Nathan Fielder. That's at the end of the day. What's I mean, I think here. the relevant thing. Well, the relevant thing here is like Nathan Nathan Fielder got his start on like what Canadian television. But his big big show here in the yeah. U.S. was Nathan for You, which we've already spoofed. And that was Comedy Central. Right. Mm-hmm. And he goes over to HBO and. And, you know, he he started, I think, his production company, right? Because he had John Wilson and his show, How To With John Wilson. Mm -hmm. And he did, like, YouTube videos and stuff like that. But he's kind of had a gap of, like, direct content that he's made since Finding Francis in 2017, I think it was. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, that's like the biggest thing that he's been involved with outside of making a cameo in uh, Marcel, the show with shoes on, which we discussed a couple weeks earlier. Cameo and Disaster Artist or like like, a really small role. But yeah, I mean, this yeah. is like the first major thing he's done as a co- as a creator. I, guess. I almost said content creator as a creator yeah. uh, since Finding Francis and Nathan for You. And I bring it up because it's a very HBO thing. Like, I don't know if we should be worried about this show or how to with John Wilson because those are HBO things. And it doesn't it seems like the HBO Max stuff is really more about. Yeah, axing I mean, that mm-hmm. stuff and like the HBO stuff has still been like making content that's just like crossed over with hbo max it's always been very murky the the two different right uh properties mm-hmm. i mean it's mostly like said, makes no sense mm-hmm. the hbo max uh label is where it's getting most of the damage done but i think they said they're they're laying off about 70 percent of the hbo uh, company. There's some so dispute I, yeah. about the accuracy of that. So I, yeah, I don't know okay. if that's a, if totally true. But all right. yeah, again, this is coming out when all right. the, some of this dust might be settling or be, might be getting kicked up even more. Who knows? I don't but know. It, I mean, yeah. The point is, like, this is very much like an HBO kind of thing that exists at a time when HBO, I think, is going through a lot of upheaval. And I... I'm kind of curious of like the success of this show, which so far it's at least had success in being extremely buzzy, like lots of people talking about it. I don't know if that's translating to people actually watching because there's a difference right between people mm -hmm. actually watching the show and people tweeting about it. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I I will say, I, I guess, similar to you, it is becoming something of a sleeper hit as far as like I don't I don't know what HBO really expected from the show. But I know, like, you had pitched doing something, like, a write-up on this show, and I had similarly had kind of pitched doing something. And this was before the show had come out, and our respective editors were just kind of like, yeah, That's right. we don't really need to cover this. Like, Right, yeah, I remember. I was just like, yeah, I think, like, I'd, 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 I had want to watch, like, a couple of the episodes, get some screeners, and cover the show. And they, and they were like, oh, yeah, we, we were thinking of maybe just doing, like, 
one kind of like review of like the pilot and then that's about it and then literally they were like oh hey actually uh <laughs> like can we do this like whole elaborate thing in like you know yeah. interviews and like because yeah it became like a very viral thing and people what did people expect it's nathan fielder if you remember anything about nathan for you the whole thing with that show is how often it crossed into real news stories like his show kept on generating actual like pop culture events uh dumb starbucks is one of the big ones the movement the viral video of uh what was like the two animals i forget the the uh exactly two animals it was like a petting zoo advertisement that he concocted like he was constantly just creating absolute bs that like fooled people and blur the lines between reality and scripted television and the whole uh jimmy kimmel incident too where he like created a viral moment to, for that show that was all elaborate. oh that's right created. Oh, yeah. oh yeah one of his best ones you know and i mean the, I, I, I don't know about you i mean the first nathan for you thing i ever saw there were the first two and one of them's the best one the gas station one is the best one in my opinion um where they yeah, go i was on, gonna like, bring retreat. that one up yeah because i think that one's a very important one to, to note as far as like um i mean maybe we'll discuss this more later but i feel like there's this conversation going on where it's like how mean is Nathan Fielder as far as like, is he exploiting people? Is he really like, you know, like, is he doing malicious things with his power as a director and showrunner? And I feel like the gas station episode is a pretty good summation of where I stand on Fielder in that regard, where it's like, mm-hmm. I think he's more just kind of curious to see how far things would go. And he kind of like feeds into the the hunger people have for kind of doing strange and elaborate things especially if they can be on television another example is like the bachelorette spoof where it's just like he's kind of more like feeding into like what will people really do to get on television mm. and the like hunk. yeah oh. the hunk yeah Classic. that's right um which i mean certainly i think like he kind of like leans into like the awkwardness of people like he'll like show things that other editors would like cut out and like leave on the editing room floor for comedic effect. But I think above all else, I think he's just kind of trying to figure out like what people are like. (laughs) It's like sort of like introverts way of trying to become an extrovert while still kind of retaining his own individuality and his own kind of unique style and and recognizing his strengths therein. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's just been such a fascinating evolution. And I think that's what we're really going to get into here is that like, it's hard to look at the rehearsal without studying Nathan for you because it just feels like a spiritual successor or even it would just be a so sequel. weird to yeah, yeah. watch it out of context or just to watch this show without watching Nathan for you at least knowing that's what about I'm saying it. that's that's what I mean by out of context like to watch the rehearsal without watching Nathan for you I feel like you're going to be missing a big puzzle piece as to what's going on because it's like you're saying Nathan for you and his work before that too not to rhyme it is that he's always exploring human psychology. It's like you say, he's like testing the limits of what people will say and do. And an even deeper level, I think the best episodes go even further than that, right? Because like what's the magic of that gas station episode is that he like is able to find these people who will actually let their guard down so severely while on camera. And just to kind of be these, like have these uh, very manufactured moments and get something out of something fake 
And I think that's what gets him out of bed in the morning, I want to say. There's been a lot of speculation with Nathan Fielder himself and like, what is he really like out of character? You know, is he ever out of character? Is this really Nathan? There are a lot of people who are like, is he autistic? He's addressed that. You know, people have asked him if he's on the spectrum and, you know, does that inform the, the like his motivations and, and everything like that. And I think he's said that like, you know, I, I think he's kind of pushed back against it. I think he's kind of said that like he, he plays a character. I think he's kind of admitted at this point, but I think his whole point is that you don't have to be on the spectrum to basically be socially awkward. Right. I guess is his output, right. Mm-hmm. Or his outlook. I mean, I always just took it like most comedians, like he's a sort of playing an exaggerated version of himself. Like he's sort of heightening sure. the awkward parts of himself. I think he's probably more laid back and boring as a person probably. And he knows he's that. Probably he's probably Will Ferrell. Getting... Will, Fer- Will Ferrell. By all accounts, Will Ferrell in real life is not the cartoon character he is in movies, right? Why are you calling him Ferrell? Is Will it Ferrell. just Will Ferrell? Sorry. Yeah, sure. Okay. Will Ferrell. I was like, why? I was Will trying Ferrell. to figure out why you were calling I think him I was, Will Ferrell. I think I was taking Will Fer- Ferrell and doing Will Ferrell, maybe. I, uh, I thought you were just combining Will Ferrell and Ferrell, like the musician Ferrell. No, I wasn't thinking of Ferrell, but uh, I'm sure Ferrell is just like, you know, splashy no matter, splashy and fancy no matter where you take him. But Will Ferrell, I think, is like, has gone on record and people have definitely made clear, like, He's just kind of like a really normal dude when the cameras are off. Like he's he's he doesn't crack a ton of jokes. He's not like you know doing his bit twenty four seven. Right. Where some some comedians are kind of like that, or you know they have like yeah. a higher mode. Uh, I mean, like I think it's like more or sorry, it's it's less pronounced than something like Joe Para, which you know is like that's very much like a character. Like, I think there's some truth to like that awkwardness that he has as a person as well, but I I'm still that's... recovering from that video where he's out of character. I, I oh, still, yeah, yeah. I still despise <laughs> a small part of you. Not really, but a little bit for sending that. To oh me. man. Uh, watch, uh, Joe Parra talks to you, by the way, people, I don't know if I've, I've talked about it on the show, I'm sure, but if it's still on HBO max, please watch it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't, you might not have a lot of time. I mean, I think it's yeah. on the adult swim app too, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you can find it some some way or another. But yeah, I mean, that's all to say that, like, I, I think that's kind of key to both shows, really, is that we don't exactly know who Nathan Fielder is, per se. He's always going to be a bit of a mystery. And I think this show more so than even Nathan for you is like kind of him testing that limit and kind of like you said, pushing the boundaries of like, what is TV and what is real life? Like what really distincts the two and like what really justifies doing something for the sake of TV or for, you know, heightened drama and all this stuff. And I think it's a really, I mean, above all else, I think the show is just really funny. It's really clever. And it it really is a testament to Fielder's style as far as like just evolving what made Nathan for you so great and making it more profound, deeper, really truly feeling like the next stage after finding Francis. But it's also just like, uh, I don't know. It's just like a truly sort of just fascinating look into Fielder's mind. Like, I mean, like obviously it's like, I don't know how much of this is really truly Fielder, but it feels like kind of like deconstructing him in a way. Like it's obviously like more, about him central to the focus even though the previous show was called nathan for you like this feels like more of like an introspection of him and like even to some respects for some respects like not presenting fielder in a very positive light like kind of revealing some of his like uglier 
darker, more cynical intentions in a way that, you know, still makes him affable and kind of endearing, but like kind of just, it, it almost feels like Fielder himself is kind of stepping back at times and being like, Jesus, like, who am I? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think one thing that this show extends that is of a vein with his previous stuff back to like that interview, right? Where he does the interview with the president of like the Canadian broadcasting, you know, and he basically is like getting the guy to basically, he's trying to get the guy to admit that he's never actually watched one of his interviews. Sure, he's goading him basically. Yeah, he's goading And I think that that is a persistent sort of, I think, a technique or I think it's like a, a motivation or a mission that Nathan has in all of his work. It's that he wants to use artifice. He wants to use fakeness. Like he wants to create fake things to reveal reality. And he does that sometimes as a character in order to bring that out of people that you can kind of tell that that's what he's up mm-hmm. to a lot of the time. Yeah. And I think some of the better moments in his work, particularly in the rehearsal, is that I think we are starting to get a little bit of him stepping away from that and like starting because he's doing the extreme version of it. You know, he's doing it, the actual like embodiment of what he believes is the key to like real human connection is creating these rehearsed scenarios. And we should explain what the show is because we're, we're over 20 minutes in. Yeah, I mean, that'd be beneficial. Yeah. So if Nathan for you was kind of more parroting stuff like undercover boss and sort of these like capitalistic endeavors where it's about like, I don't know, like maybe like, um, what's the one like Chef Gore, the Gordon Ramsay show? I was going to say Kitchen Nightmares, you know, kitchen Hotel Nightmare, Hell, yeah. like where they come yeah. in and they try to help these struggling businesses be more mm-hmm. successful. Right. It, it, but the, the joke with uh, Nathan for you is that like he's so kind of socially inept, like he can barely kind of interact with other people he, he doesn't really have the confidence of what he's trying to say and he's also but he has proposing, the budget of a tv show right. so he's like but he also yeah. he also has like you said like a camera and so like people kind yeah. of innately are like well if he's the head of the show if he has a camera and he's like saying these things like i have to trust him and there's some authority here right and then he he pitches like ideas that like you can follow his logic but they're just utterly insane things <laughs> but and he sometimes says sometimes yeah. they actually really work Right. Yeah, that's true. But it's like he he breaks them down in a very sort of like logical way. But they like I said, they're just truly like insane, even downright like psychopathic half the time. I still have my uh, I mean, I wear my Summit Ice clamshell jacket to most of my film screenings. uh, I mean, that uh, makes a cameo in the the pilot for this show. Yeah. Which I mean, was always which was, you know, nice to see for a nice little nod for sure. Also nice to see Nathan getting out of L.A. Uh, for this show. He, it, the first episode is mm-hmm. in New York, and then the next two, and I imagine more, are going to be in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, but then um, with Finding Francis, which was, you know, I, I don't know if it's really more of a film or an uh, extended episode. It, it kind of, it, like many things with Nathan Fielder, kind of blurs two lines here. Uh, but with that, like, it was less about, like, helping a business but more about like helping a friend he had developed over the course of the show, Bill Heath, who's like a professional uh, Bill Gates impersonator, uh, find this long lost love of his. And it spirals into something a little bit more uh, dense and beautiful and also kind of bittersweet where he's just kind of 
reflecting on his own life and his own work and his connections between the two and kind of trying to figure out if like what he's doing is really to his own benefit. If he's kind of shorting himself by working on the show and doing all these strange things for other people, if he's actually not living his own life to the fullest. And this new show kind of feels like an extension of that because there's, um, there's a scene kind of three fourths away through, uh, that film where he's like rehearsing, the moment where Bill Heath is going to be reconnected right. with um, his uh, his Francine, his the the woman he's been trying to find, and he's kind of going through all these different varied scenarios where it's like you know like acknowledging that it could go really well or it could be really terrible, but in that process, uh, I don't know how much we can really give away as far as finding Francis is concerned, but. The, I'll just say kind of delicately, like things don't exactly play out the way uh, they expect, or at least the way we're led to believe Fielder right. expects things to play out. Uh, and it has a really nice send off, but, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where he kind of puts all this work into a moment that doesn't really play out uh, as he would have expected or hoped. There's not uh, a ton of catharsis in a traditional sense. Yeah, I guess so. But um, yeah, it's, it, this new show kind of is the extension of that where it's like he is helping people, but he's not helping businesses. He's helping people act out their more uh, like these very pivotal moments in their their lives are coming out, whether it's confessing a long held secret with a friend, which is the, the basis of the pilot, or if it's like. Uh, kind of living out motherhood in a, a very kind of condensed way uh, or with the third episode, which you've seen, um, you know, confessing again to uh, a brother, you know, the, your feelings as far as a very tentative family situation. It's kind of like trying to cut out the social pressures that come with these very, you know, fraught, vulnerable moments and trying to kind of make sure you're prepared properly for, you know, what's going to happen. But uh, obviously, uh, in true fielder fashion, these things don't play out exactly as you would expect. Yeah, what the show is clearly after here is to what you're saying. It, it's it's trying to I think it builds itself as like, you know, what length will somebody go to reduce the uncertainty of their life? Of right. Something that like. Of it, basically. You know, for most people, most people watching the show would just be like, you know, I just go for it, you know, go, you know, have the kid or have a conversation with the person that's going to be uncomfortable. And, you know, just, you know, you can you can rehearse like people rehearse things all the time. But like he is making a spectacle out of that sort of artifice that's sort of like i have to everything has to be the same. If I go through something once, that means I'm better prepared to do it again. And I think that what what's kind of weirdly brilliant about the show in that respect is and on the one hand you can't really tell if nathan is basically like doing this because he's trying to make the opposite point or if he's doing this because he genuinely kind of cares about making this easier for people and thinks it's fun to watch and you know makes for good television it's kind of unclear to me i feel like i won't really have a solid opinion on what he's really trying to accomplish until it's over. But as you kind of mentioned before, people are already kind of people are all over this show being like, Hey, you know, this is cruel. People are saying like, you know, what he's doing here is he's messing with people and it's unethical. Uh, there are people who are kind of like calling him. Uh, I think the New Yorker called uh, his show, like cruel, like the cruel and arrogant gaze. <laughs> I think they refer sure. to. Yeah. The, the Richard Brody piece you're referring to. 
Sure. And uh, what are you going to do? It's Richard Brody. You know, uh, I the guy respect. couldn't respect the guy couldn't read the room if, you know, somebody read uh, it a lot of him. But I, I respect Brody. I don't always agree with him, but I respect him. I know you don't, which is fine. I would respect him more if he was a good writer. That's the only thing. Oh, I but, wildly um, disagree with that. But OK, it's fine. <laughs> I think uh, there's purple pros and there's Brody pros. But OK. All right. All right. You, you said your piece about Brody. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I think. What I find interesting about those comments is, for one, this show is way less mean than Nathan for You, or at least some of the, the, the darker episodes, I think, of Nathan for You, at least so far. Because uh, I don't want to give it away, because you've seen only three episodes. I've seen four at this moment. The fourth episode, uh, you know, without spoiling anything for you, definitely is the darkest of the uh, the four I've seen, at least. Um, and that's the one where I think the discourse is really going to punctuate as far as, like, is what he's doing genuinely unethical as far as like uh maybe manipulating one person's perspective to kind of bring out this reaction this thing that he needs to find within himself uh in a way that i think is is really brilliant but also just like really kind of folds this idea in a dark and admittedly compact way but still really uh you know really pushes the envelope as far as like what fielder is trying to accomplish here it is something though that for a long time, people have been exploited, you know, for TV in this way. I think of like the Jay Leno, like street smart kind of thing where you're kind of going around and you're finding the dumbest people and and they, oh my gosh, like, I don't even know what state I'm in. And like using stuff like that to just basically make a spectacle and make people look stupid. We we've kind of like transitioned away from uh, that's way less common these days. Uh, I mean, there's still a lot of that, uh, particularly, Kimmel still does that to some extent, I think, as far as late. Yeah, it's different, though. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like they've they do, they do things like mean tweets now. Right. Where it's just like a, that's like a, it's uh, reframed a little bit. And no, um, there's there's still person on the street stuff on Kimmel. Like, you like, street, I know there's still streets, but it's, it, it, the tone of it is different, isn't it? Like, it's um, a little bit less like aggressive, a little bit less aggressive. I mean, but that's like going into like. Those people are willfully like choosing to be on TV. They they want to be on television and will kind of make a fool. That's of themselves usually the excuse. Because, right? Well, yeah. that's why I was going to bring up because I think we we now see it. It's it's kind of more of a political thing now. It's like uh, Jordan Klepper, you know, on Comedy Central Daily Show. Uh, like he goes to like all the Trump rallies and everything, and he gets people to he he does some. I watched uh, the third episode of the rehearsal. And Nathan kind of does something really similar to Klepper, but albeit coming off more earnest, like he's genuinely curious um, about how her stance on Halloween makes no sense to him because she's just like, it's satanic. And he's just like asking her questions like, wait, where where did you hear that? What does that mean? What are you talking about? And -hmm. it reminds me a little bit of like the Comedy Central sort of like, how do you talk to people who are like QAnon people or conspiracy theory people or, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you tend to sort of just get like all this weird internet, like hoaxy stuff that doesn't make Mm -hmm. any sense and he just kind of is like his character is kind of like playing dumbfounded by that and i think that's something people were responding to i think i mean but that's kind of that that exchange in particular kind of uh plays into like you said fielder's whole modus operandi where it's like he is sort of feigning ignorance as far as like oh wow you know tell me what do you mean by that and like i didn't know it was this but he's also like genuinely seemingly genuinely kind of curious it's like 
what what is this person talking about? Let me kind of feed into this and allow them to really expound their whole worldview to me right now in a way that like he kind of lets them feel a little bit more comfortable, but he's also like obviously he's trying to like get these you know elaborate uh, bizarre anecdotes out of them, but he's doing it in a way that I think has some genuine curiosity to it where he's just like, like, I mean, I would be kind of curious in that scenario. I mean, I may not indulge her the way he does, but it's like, I mean, if, if she truly thinks this is satanic, there's clearly something going on there. And it's him kind of trying to figure out who she is as a person, especially if he's going to be right. sort of living with her in this bizarre scenario that they've concocted. Because it's always jarring, right? When you spend time with somebody and, you know, in this case, he's been spending a lot of time with her and he genuinely, like, I do think there is like a genuine want to like understand, like, what makes a person believe in something like this? And I guess what people are reacting to is like, they don't see it that way. They see it sort of like, how do I make this person look dumb on television? And I think it's funny because uh, we we were kind of joking about how the character from the second episode, Robin, was basically like, he, he... he does not look very good in the second episode. Um, very yeah. bit, bit of an oddball. And for lack of a better word. Sure. And there was like an interview he did, right, with an outlet. And he just sort of was like, hey, this show did not represent me very well. And then they do the interview. And it's like, he still comes out looking really bad in the interview. And I think, what was the joke that you made? I'll let you say it. <laughs> that he would. Well, I mean, yeah, it's just like... I imagine there's like kind of a um, what do you call that? Like a Russian nesting doll situation. Yeah, where yeah, he's never like, ending staircase. Where he's like that interview doesn't properly represent me, and he goes on to say an even more insane yeah. amount of things after that. Um, I mean, that kind of reminds me of um, uh, when they made the King of Kong. There's that documentary uh, about like the competitive uh, Donkey Kong players, and I never uh, saw that. Was, that. Oh, it's it's a really fun movie, um, but. In that movie, there's like kind of a clear villain with, um, I believe it's Billy Mitchell. Uh, I forget if it's him, if that's the name of that guy, or if that's the other one. I think it's Billy Mitchell. He's like, he has like this very, he's like a long black hair. And he's very like, uh, like monotone in the way he speaks. And he's, you know, kind of callous and cruel to how he views other people. And people are watching that movie and they're like, you made him look like a terrible person. Like you, you edited the movie in such a way where it made him look like such a villain. And his response, Seth Gordon, the director was just like, these were the good takes. Like, this is the best I can make him look. (laughs) Uh, And I feel like, I don't think like Robin's like a terrible person or anything, but uh, I know his brother, like when that episode came out, he was just like, now everyone's going to know how insane my brother is. And I kind of get the impression that like, Nathan might have actually made him look like maybe a little bit less insane than he really is. Uh, I don't know if that's true sure. or not. I haven't watched the dailies or whatever, but. Well, there was I, one thing in that interview, though, that people have pieced out. And that's like, how real is this show? Because it's kind of implied that he was kind of picked for the show. Like they found somebody like him to go on the dates. Right. And I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but. I I don't know like I I get like there are times when the show is sort of like they respond to a Craigslist ad and nah, I don't think we have any reason to doubt that kind of thing but yeah I think that there are a lot of coincidences maybe or not maybe coincidences but like contrivances or like it's kind of convenient that like the guy that she ends up like striking a, a bit of like chemistry with is this guy you know what I mean 
Oh, I mean, he's manufacturing it in such a way where he he kind of knows these two oddball personalities are probably going to get along and kind of knows what's going to happen. I mean, as far as like how much he knows what's going to happen happens or how much he dictates that is where it gets a little murky. But I think that's There's what no I find so fascinating. The rehearsal. Well, that's what I find so fascinating about this show is that like, as we were suggesting earlier, it kind of starts as this like examination on social anxiety and like the idea of like, can you really con- control the things that you can't properly predict or get a hold of in this case, like, you know, uh, maintaining friendships when there's like a- an inherent lie present in there, which, you know, kind of mirrors like Nathan Fielder's whole journey where it's just like, can I really have an authentic connection with these people when I'm inherently either manufacturing the story or kind of lying to them up front? And then in the second episode, this idea of like with any parent, when they have a child, it's like you kind of have like you, you would desire some sort of God complex where it's like, obviously no parent wants their, their child to be in any sense of danger. And you kind of want to like, there are a lot of helicopter parents out there kind of want to make sure the kid is like, you know, as safe as possible, but are you kind of preventing them from living out their lives? So you do that. And I think the show kind of has, has a curious way of examining that to a, a broad extent. But I think ultimately the show is kind of proving itself to be more about authorship an idea of like can fielder really kind of be the lord of his own show when he is kind of tapping himself into reality and in in that respect is he doing something where in the search of being honest and real is he being inherently dishonest because he's trying to manufacture something that he can kind of predict and control being true to reality but at the same time like having some creative saying what's happening and it becomes this weird sort of like reality tv version of synecdoche new york uh the charlie kaufman film which is kind of uh, appropriate because i feel like fielder's whole thing here is like a mix of the kaufman's uh, i think the players the playlist review kind of mentioned this it's like he's doing a little bit of the charlie kaufman meta contextual kind of like i said russian nesting doll sort of thing here but he's also kind of doing the andy kaufman performative thing where he's playing such an exaggerated version of himself in order to let people kind of show their true selves whether good or for ill uh, and it's just really, I, I think it continues to be a very fascinating way of making TV, whether or not it's the most ethical way of doing so. I, I think that kind of feeds into what he's looking for as far as his general thesis and both this show and in, uh, Nathan for you. We didn't mention, uh, there are a couple of co-writers who come into the show after the pilot, um, because the pilot's directed and written by Fielder. Fielder directs mm-hmm. all the episodes. But there are two writers who come in later. They are Carrie Kemper and Eric Natarnacola. Yeah, and yeah. Carrie Kemper. Which, uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, sister of Ellie Kemper. She was also a writer on The Office, of course, which Ellie Kemper was on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm less familiar with uh, oh. Eric Natarnacola. Well, of course, I am very familiar with his work. He is the... Uh, co-creator of the On Cinema at the Cinema Universe oh, with no uh, Nathan Fielder <laughs> and Greg Turkington, which is another example of something where it started off as this kind of minor thing. Like it was initially in a parody of like, you know, like a lot of, I don't want to say like our show per se, because it, it came out before ours, but like, you know, like these 
kind of different film critics. I, I would like to believe it's worse versions of our show where it's like people who do a podcast but don't really know what they're talking about and then expand into this Adult Swim web series where uh, as it went along, it had this own mini universe happen where like the characters in that are creating their own shows and then eventually there's this huge trial where the, the character of Tim Heidecker uh, has to kind of atone for his, his history of sins and for doing this horrible thing that happened. Uh, and that's another example of like something that kind of smart starts small and then elaborates into something way more metatextual and bizarre <laughs> as it goes along. So he feels like a kind of perfect fit for what uh, Fielder is doing with this show. Yeah, and I, I didn't realize uh, he did write a bunch of episodes of Nathan for you as well, including Finding Francis. Um, so I, I didn't make that connection before. So I, I think that this show in particular, I think really, really ups Fielder's game when it comes to just putting the budget into nonsense. You know, like creating an entire replica of a bar. It's unhinged. Like we, when we walk through what he does there, um, when he's like creating scenarios in order to like basically win a trivia thing or to get information about people creating like a, a whole like thrifty website. Like he is just constantly doing this like unconventional, like I have a budget and the, this weird sort of like the, the budget of a TV show on a streaming service, but I don't have to pay like huge big well, name actors. Right. I mean, this is I on HBO, have... right? It's on HBO max. Like it's not, not just on a streaming service. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So it's going to be on uh, the, yeah, like satellite or whatever. You have an HBO cable package. But yeah, I mean, like still, it's not like network TV. And not the network TV, I think, is like as big as it no, but, has I mean, usually been. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he definitely gets a bigger budget here. And he, he's using that to get, <laughs> I guess, technically more on Hinge than he did on um, Nathan for You. But right. at the same time, yeah, I mean, it. I, what I find so fascinating is that He's kind of using that budget to not only get bigger, but get more introspective, whether or not it's introspective of Nathan Fielder or like Nathan Fielder in quotation marks. I think it's a bit of both, but I, I just find that dichotomy so fascinating is that like he's he, he's exploring himself and his on-screen persona in a way that like I'm not sure like how elaborate the bit goes, but that's kind of feeding into like what the show is, is that like how much do we really know Nathan Fielder at this point and rather like how much does Fielder even know himself when he's so often on camera and you know as his career continues is like becoming more adept at doing this sort of thing like is he kind of losing the plot himself kind of losing the thread a little bit or is he even more in control of his craft I think it's almost a, a bit of both but in a way that I think makes it even better as it gets as it goes along I I think I told you already I had this mind-breaking moment where the alligator lounge i've actually been to in uh, brooklyn and uh, the bar that they recreate you mean and it's like I, I and i remember like i went there when i was pretty like drunk uh it was oh, like for boy. santa con and i remember because like we had just had like pizza already and i was like so excited because i live in california where pizza is like Good luck. I mean, you just start you just start to accept it after a while, the pizza here. But, you know, like in New York, and I was like, oh, man, you know, finally it's the kind of slice that I like. And then uh, I think 
we ended up in alligator lounge and like i remember like getting a pizza from that oven and like the tokens and everything like that and like when all that stuff was going down it was just like what am i watching like i felt like my (laughs) my my mind was just like shattering into pieces and like i guess that's what this show kind of is i mean i it's funny like it's a funny show i wonder though is the because the the real secret ingredient to it being a success for people is going to be the introspection is it going to make you think is it going to make you emotional is it going to make you sort of reevaluate people in your life and i i would hope so because i think it has the potential to do that i wonder though if some people are going to watch this and be like what am i watching you know maybe and i i want to believe people are going to watch this and they're going to get sucked in by the weirdness and they're going to get sucked in by like that's ridiculous uh, he you know 3d mapped a house but then like keep watching and just be like do what nathan for you did because those clips on youtube were what brought people into the show by and large like that's how i watched nathan for you first was like people were watching clips on youtube for years and i was like what is this show and then like we would just start watching full episodes and it's like once you really start to like watch it and like you'll watch an episode like the hunk where you're like oh my gosh like this really is just about how lonely this guy is right now especially in the context of i think around that time he was getting a divorce maybe and like you know in his real life he was just kind of like flailing romantically yeah um that the, it's a show that sneaks up on you. My question kind of like, as we're getting further along and like, I know you can't really say anything is like, okay, are we going to get more of that sort of like, we're getting a little bit of the, the sort of like Nathan looking at the camera and being like, is, is this, is this, is my life a lie? Like, am I doomed? You know, there, there's a lot of uh, that going on. I mean, I'll just say, I, I think I've already mentioned this, to you privately but the the fourth episode is called the fielder method so um i think you'll kind of uh, get an idea from that alone what is going to entail as far as the, the answer to your question um but yeah i mean i guess my history with the fielder's work is i, I was familiar with his um his show i mean I, I had watched like a few episodes of it uh like when it was on the air i remember i saw the smokers allowed episode um, which is actually, I mean, I'm surprised I haven't mentioned that before because I feel like Smokers Allowed is probably one of the more comparable episodes. Yeah, yeah, to, get to the rehearsal. To this. Uh, yeah. Which, if you guys don't know, the, that's the one where he's like trying to save a bar by saying that like it's not solely, or he's trying to save a bar's uh, smoking uh, credibility by saying that it's not them smoking in the bar, it's them performing a stage. So basically he creates well, wasn't like, this it mini- that, like, no, they want more people to come to the bar. So he's like, you're going to get smokers to come to the bar. And the oh, way yeah, you're going right. to do that is you're going to create a scenario where they're allowed to smoke in the bar right. by making it a play and having like an audience watch people just be in there. But yeah, yeah right. you're gonna, you could do the rest. But yeah, but basically like, uh, even though it's just people chilling at the bar, he, he considers it a huge success. So he tries to figure out how to recreate that. So it becomes this elaborate thing where he's trying to make a play, an actual play of this very real moment where people are just hanging out at the bar and he hires actors and he hires people to play the, the people who are at the bar as well as a bartender. And it becomes like him kind of rehearsing uh, before the rehearsal this whole elaborate thing that just happened very naturally <laughs> this one night, even though he has like on camera and all that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great episode. Uh, but I was going to say before is that like, I, I only really got into Fielder during the pandemic. It was a show I'd actually watched in full when I was at home. 
and I didn't really have much else to do. And I felt like it was an oddly kind of fitting show to watch during the pandemic because there was something kind of oddly when businesses comforting. were closed down. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, just, I mean, for all this that has been said of late about like the cynicism of Fielder, you know, kind of manipulating people and stuff like that. I found during this time when I was watching it, the PSR uplifting show about like how he's able to kind of fight the odds and kind of connect with people and score meaningful reactions, whether authentic or not with people you know uh, in in kind of dire straits and you know allow himself to kind of reveal his own insecurities in different episodes and kind of uh, evaluate himself in the process and so i i mean i really connected with the show uh, as you mentioned in a very thoughtful way in that respect and i didn't i mean i could recognize like what he was doing at times could be very directly kind of mean or you know maybe not presenting people in the best light as some of the subjects of that show have uh, said i think there's like an, a vulture article where they they interviewed some of the people on the show and a lot of them were not very uh flattered with how fielder presented them but i don't know i mean with the exception of maybe like a handful of people on that show i really don't think he's like making them out to be like awful people if anything allowing them to look kind of disheveled and awkward i think adds really to like the charm of what fielder i think is saying is that like we're all just kind of just like figuring this out as we go along and and like you know there's no real like i mean it becomes more honest when he allows them to be kind of insecure and you know not really knowing how to respond to these things outside of, you know having kind of clipped like oh wow responses are like huh i guess we can try that kind of things to like the most insane thing you've ever heard someone pitch to you to save your business and yeah i don't know i mean i i certainly feel like i find the show both uh finding francis and nathan for you to be kind of bittersweet things but the rehearsal i think definitely leans more into the darkness of it but as, as you were suggesting i i don't really i don't know how someone can go into this show like not knowing who fielder is i mean like certainly i'm sure someone is watching this without having watched nathan for you oh, but like I, I still know there how are plenty of people surprised. who've probably seen the tweets. There, there are people I'm sure because like it wasn't that big of a show, and I think there are enough pieces coming out about it where people are like, "Huh, what is this?" Like, you know, people are probably seeing tweets of like, "Oh my gosh, you got to see this," and watching it totally unaware because like the show ended in 2017. That was five years ago. There are plenty of people that were like not up on that kind of like show or like maybe up on sort of uh, TV stuff in general back then, right? I, yeah, I mean, I, that's, I'm just kind of curious because it seems like, like you said, like these think pieces that are coming out about the show are from people who are almost sort of unaware of uh, Fielder in a, in a respect. And I just find that kind of bizarre. Like, the, I just can't imagine watching this show without having seen Nathan for you or not knowing who Fielder is. Because like we said, it just kind of feels like the natural progression or evolution of that show. I mean, that one Vulture piece, I think they did say that that is something that is like the I think they use the phrasing of like the core thread of his work, um, the way that he's just like basically just willing to mess with people. I, f- I forget the term, but yeah, I mean, I it's funny because I've been trying so hard to get in touch with people who are part of the show, and um, as it stands right now, like they're basically the, the people are basically saying like we're not ready to pull back the curtain yet. Is like what I was told. But like I'm getting to the point where I'm I'm hopefully going to interview people soon, at least one person about the show. 
and get just a little bit more like insight into like what's going on here and like how they're making this happen and what's you know because there are like the actors and everything who are part of the show i've seen them on twitter kind of interacting with you know uh people's tweets and being like oh no that was real i was really there like you know because a lot of these people are actors they're like of course they're on twitter and i'm so i'm i'm so curious like once the show ends what the like follow through is going to be like what's what's the fallout is going to be actually you know like are there going to be more and more thing pieces is this going to have legs or is it going to kind of come and go i'm leaning way more toward the former honestly right now i mean it really just kind of depends on where uh, at least for me the next two episodes go for you the next three yeah. episodes go is uh, gonna get i that mean like me? i said uh i don't know about that but i mean i, I like i said i mean uh, I'm very curious to hear what the discourse is around the fourth episode because, I mean, it, it is a very funny episode in a lot of respects, but it's also just kind of harrowing. Um, but I think, like, the third episode is maybe, uh, if not the best, one of the best things the Fielder has done to date as far as, like I said, kind of combining this general thesis, but creating these really kind of beautiful and haunting moments uh, with, you know, and, and kind of, like, leaning into, like, well, it was initially kind of a joke, which is basically like he uh, the, the, the guy he's trying to look out for or like r- r- allow this rehearsal to happen was looking after this uh, grandfather who, uh, you know, was uh, on the last legs of his life. Uh, he was really like caring for this guy and the brother who I guess has control of this, the estate was ultimately not uh, very uh involved with their his life and i guess basically the grandfather suggested that like he can the son that was taking care the grandson was taking care of him can have his estate if he doesn't have quote like a gold digger that uh takes the money and i guess the woman that that person is dating uh is i guess like not on great terms with the brother who has the estate um and you know as he's rehearsing this the the guy at the center of it is like committed but he's, like he's having some trouble like really investing in it as far as the fields are concerned so he fielder hires an actor <laughs> to play this sort of uh old kook who literally goes on a gold digging exposition <laughs> with this guy and it, it, it starts off very funny but becomes this very like poignant look at like human connections we were s- suggesting and like you know what we're able to do for strangers and like how we connect with people and like the layers upon layers that kind of build as far as like the actor involved with it becomes um like a real participant but he's also an actor and then the yeah it's just i don't want to give away too much because i mean i imagine people listening this may not have watched it yet but it's just uh, it just feels like a perfect summation of what fielder is doing here in a way that i really am just like confounded with how good that episode is particularly with how that character when we are introduced to him is stressed it's edited in a way to make sure he's unlikable because they keep stuff in like like you were saying like stuff that maybe they would have kept out of the show in order to you know make us sort of like make it easier for more people to connect it with him but no like we see him being extremely anti-semitic like in i think the second scene we see him in and nathan is just kind of like wait what like you know he's like incredulous at it yeah and Mm -hmm. we keep watching like he doesn't sort of just you know right. tank everything there he keeps it going and th- there was something mm. that kind of stuck with me about that 
Yeah, because it's like one of those moments where like Fielder seems genuinely taken aback by like he, I mean because he just you know he, he seemed like genuinely outside of the facade of Nathan Fielder the character like seems to be genuinely taken aback that openly said something so anti-Semitic and clearly he wants to speak up and you know not allow him to say these things but he's also like recognizing that like well if I say something I'm taking away from what would be the honest truth of what you're saying in this conversation so uh, both the character of Nathan and the the director slash real Nathan are <laughs> kind of conflicted here where it's like I, I want this to be the authentic truth to this guy's uh, experience but he's also like I don't want you know to perpetuate anti-Semitic comments from continuing and it's just like it's funny but it's also just kind of weirdly dark and kind of uh, almost disturbing in a way <laughs> what Fielder will allow and not allow as far as like his search for authenticity or the lack thereof. So Malashin I have a proposition for you because you know there's only so much we can say right you know we, we've talked about the first three episodes alluded to the fourth. There are going to be six episodes total. When I get back from my honeymoon, you know, um, the whole the whole show will be out, and maybe, just maybe, that could be an opportunity for us to maybe do a second, a two parter. What if we came back and we talked about the rest of the episodes and spoilers? Like we we just open it up. Uh, maybe it really depends on if people care about this episode. Uh, you know I what? I see it. I see it happening, and I'm going to put it out there, listeners. Uh, you need to make a believer out of Will. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd certainly be down for a bonus, like part two spoiler talk. I don't know if it. Here's the other stipulation, episodes. though. Well, we got to have a guest. Oh sure, get fielder. We got to have a guest. So we got to pick a guest. We got to pick somebody who you know is going to like really add a lot to the conversation. Who's the biggest Nathan Fielder fan we know? We'll talk about it. We'll try to figure mm. it out. Right. But um, I can think of maybe a few, but okay. I, I think there's more to say here, but I think that like we can't without, you know, right. going too deep. Mm-hmm. And I think it's worth talking about. And I know, yeah, I, I know mean, you're, you're cringing. Cause you're just like, okay, John, I said yes to a TV show. Mm. Now you're trying to do like two in a row. It's like, sure. you know, what, what are you trying to do to our baby? Sure. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I am glad we had this conversation, though, because I, I just find the show so fascinating. I find Fielder's work in particular so fascinating. I'm really excited for you to watch the fourth episode because I think it's going to kind of drive you insane in, in some good ways. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going mean, to be downloading it for my flight. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I'll be very if I get a chance to talk to you about it when you're watching i'll be very curious to hear what you think of it but um yeah it, it's that episode is a trip and i i can't imagine what's going to happen in five and six but i know the fifth one's called apocalypto so i i, I imagine things are only going to get darker from here uh and we'll see what happens um last thing i'm going to say uh i'm actually looking at the ratings for this right now and they're not exact but what i'm seeing is that essentially the ratings have doubled since the pilot so we are seeing this thing picking up steam like there wasn't like a ton of there wasn't like a bottleneck of interest and then it just sort of like it the first episode second episode was like a slight uptick and then by the third episode it's like way more people are watching so that is a good sign that it's not only picking up interest but it's retaining interest like Mm -hmm. people are coming back because they got to keep going with this show which is great news because i think it's one of the most original things we've seen on Mm -hmm. television this decade you know Mm -hmm. yeah i mean 
that is definitely good news because well for one there wasn't a lot of advertisement for the show like it no i, I, I had no they, idea what the send up was going to be right yeah i mean they they were very vague with the details which is understandable yeah. but it didn't uh, allow for a lot of publicity ahead of time and they also put it in a not great spot like it's like airing at fridays at like 10 or something like that yeah like, it's like it, the same time when like you know the politics world drops a really bad news i don't <laughs> know they i know mean people aren't like, paying attention it's not a great slot for any show uh but i, I think it it's is usually where like sitcoms go to die sure in the but, old days i mean obviously hbo is different because like they know people are mostly going to probably watch this right. on streaming but i mean yeah i mean I, I it's not like a great spot so i don't even know if hbo really knew what they had here like i think they knew fielder was someone worth investing in but they were kind of like i don't know i mean like it's just going to be worth our while and it seems to be hopefully proving to be yes but uh i don't know i'm, I'm very curious to see how the conversation is going I, it does seem like more people are hearing about the show and hopefully checking yeah. it out i hope our conversation encourages at least one or two people to check out the show because it's it's definitely i think worth your while i mean it, it, it's definitely a, a, it, it it continues like i said to prove that fielder is just doing some really fascinating things behind the camera and in front of the camera uh agreed, but, agreed. yeah yeah it's uh yeah, check it out if you haven't already. And I definitely, definitely want to see a crossover one day with John Wilson. Make it happen. Um, I want to. I don't care well, which show it is. You've seen that video, right? Where like during the promotional, I think I showed oh, it to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah, like well, Fielder is like, you know, kind of taking his producing credit too far. It's on YouTube. I, yeah. I forget the exact name of <laughs> He's it. He's like, yeah. you're gonna do a thing with like bread tied to a. This is HBO. Right. Like it's. it's but no, really yeah, he, he, yeah, he like gets. Uh, I'll just say he gets some interns, and things take a turn <laughs> from there. It, it's it's really funny. Classic Fielder fashion. Yeah, the Fielder method. All right, uh, let's finish out with the Rotten Tomatoes game. Not a lot of critics ratings, oh, um, uh, which is, I guess to be expected since it's TV. But, okay, so what we have, 38 critic ratings so far. Not a lot, but, you know, it's getting there. It's climbing. Uh, what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score is? What's your best guess? Uh, I'm going to say 96%. Nope. Do you think it's higher or lower? Uh, probably lower, just based on, like, some of the, you know, like the Brody article and stuff. I don't know if that counts for Rotten Tomatoes. But uh, I'm going to say 92%. It is 92. And I was going to do, it's like you're four off, but then it would be like, is it 100 or 92? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think uh, I think you'll know which one. Mm. Uh, yeah. So so 92. And yeah, to what you're saying, like, yeah, some negative stuff, you know, like uh, Richard Brody was the, the top negative. Barely five minutes into the first episode, I wanted to throw my laptop across the room or just to throw Nathan Fielder out of it. Oh, and man. like, it's like I was saying before, it's like, you know, if you're not going to be, if you're not good at writing, why are you writing for the New Yorker anyway? Um, that article, I mean, that that line, I, I'll say, I thought was a bit much, but I, I yeah, I'll I'll still vouch for for Brody. I don't know if I'll stand him, but I'll vouch for him. <laughs> All right, um, but uh, we do have an audience score as well. Always fun to see that. Um, let's see here. So we have 55 user ratings. Not a lot for that. But what do you think the audience score is? Ooh, this one could go any way, huh? Um, 84%. 87. So, a little bit higher, but yeah, definitely not like... I don't know. I guess people are watching this maybe expecting something else. You know, that's still really high. But for 55 user ratings, I don't know. I don't know if that's a sign of anything. I don't know. And hey, look, 
maybe maybe this is also you know now that we 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 opened the floodgates a little bit and we talked about a TV show. Does this mean Will Ashton's going to finally watch the bear? Maybe that is find the other out. big uh, kind of sleeper hit of the summer TV wise. Um, it is. Uh, uh, I want to watch it. Was moving that? along, but mm-hmm. Blackbird. Oh, uh, yeah, I saw some of that. I wasn't. I thought it was all right. Um, I heard it was really good. Um, well, I, and I think I like the the Ray Liotta fans are coming out for it. The Taron oh, Edgerton fans. I but. mean, Liotta is fantastic in that show. I, I, because I reviewed it for Slant, and yeah, I, I guess I was like positive, but like a little bit more negative than other people on it. I thought it was fine. Um, the bear, the bear yeah. is like a bona fide moment, you know, like. Yeah. That show, like that, that there's an episode in that show. I've already told you where I'm just like, give me more of that, just in general on TV, because that was just like one of my favorite 30 minutes of TV, uh, definitely of 2022 by by a wide wide margin. So I mean, yeah. I remember at one point you said that like one episode or a series of episodes were more cinematic than most of the things we covered that the for the summer so far. Very much for, so. Yeah. So. Very much so. Um, it, there's just like a basically like a one stretch of film here that in, in the bear that is just like so much more like the show in general too is just like so much more visceral and there's so much more bounce and uh, propulsiveness to it that like it just makes everything we've been watching lately not everything but like so much of the stuff we've been watching mm-hmm. lately especially like dramas and things like just feel flat and inert you know Sure. So I couldn't recommend I mean, the bear high enough. I mm-hmm. think the hype is real with it. Yeah. I mean, the big things TV wise, like he's seeing on my timeline right now, or like, you know, like, it's like the rehearsal, the bear, and then better call Saul, which I am trying to catch up on, uh, like that show a lot. I think you watched like three episodes or something of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which I, like 2015. I, yeah. Or Very good show. Very good show. Definitely worth watching if you get to it. One of these yeah. days, I'm going to go through the whole dang thing. Uh, last thing, I'll tell you, I, I did watch a couple episodes of The Terminalists, that Chris Pratt show. Um, oh, yeah, that is uh, yeah that is like a big hit of the summer as well. It's pretty bad. It's I heard pretty it was, bad. I heard, I heard like, that, yeah. I, I can't believe, I fell asleep during the first episode. Like, legitimately, just, did you, nope. Did you see the thing, they try to pull a Gotti uh with that where it's like it wasn't getting re- when i say it, it got a gotti they pulled a gotti uh obviously critics gotti took got- the hit on terminal yeah. list uh, <laughs> okay. yeah no like yeah it's like um well with, yeah with the gotti thing it was like it got like a zero percent or whatever but like audience score was i don't know something stupid like 76 percent or something and they were like audiences are loving gotti critics took the hit and they they did something similar where it's just like they showed the audience score and the critic score and like the critic score was like, I don't know, like 37% or something. And audience score was like 92%. And they had like Chris Pratt with like a gun or something. It was just like <laughs> critics, you've been added to the list. And it's like, are you going to murder <laughs> critics? Well, you know what's funny about that too, as I just checked Gotti's, uh, this movie came out in 2018. I just checked the mm-hmm. audience score right now and it's yep. 45%. <laughs> so it's okay. like clearly tanked since then. Well, some critics so. didn't take the hit, so. All right, or, oh, you're thing. saying the audience score? Sorry, my the I, audience I, score. Oh, critics okay. score is still zero. But, I thought um, you were saying that it went up, like it went from zero to forty-five percent. Can I can I then say um, to what I was saying about the bear? And this is the last thing I promise, and we can go to bed. Um, okay, Obi Wan. 
The bear okay. is more cinematic and is more spectacular to watch than Obi-Wan. That's that's where we're at. That's kind of where I'm at and why I'm having a bit of a crisis in terms of what makes me want to watch anything right now because like I just feel like the good stuff is so sparing at the moment, but that's just me complaining. All right, uh, that, oh. I think that's going to be it for us, huh? Uh, I was going to mention, I, did you watch Irma Veep at all? Or Vep? Irma Vep? Uh, nope. Uh, it's quite good uh, from what I've seen so far. It's an, another sort of cinematic show and actually a good companion piece to this one because that's, that's one where uh, uh, Oliver Assaz or Aziz, whatever, the, the the guy that made like Personal Shopper and stuff like that, uh, it's like remaking one of his older films in a TV format and it becomes like basically an analysis of him uh, as a filmmaker and a person. So it, it would actually make a good like bedfellow with uh, the rehearsal if you want to check it out. Hmm. Sounds cool. All right. Well, that's it for us on this episode. We'll be back to our normal time and we're actually recording the same week that this episode comes out Yeah, uh, pretty soon. But until then, from the Internet California, I'm John Negroni. And from the Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Washington. See you next time.